Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia. This is episode number 11, Asia's Somewhat Secret Beaches. Now, the reason we came up with this one is that a good beach and a good beach holiday means something different for everybody. For some people, it's a super quiet, secluded beach with their bungalow hanging right over the sea. For others, it's access to great diving and snorkeling right off the beach. And then again, for others, it's having easy access to partying and nightlife. So we're going to dive into some of our favorite beaches that most of you probably don't know about. I'm Scott Coates here in Kuala Lumpur. And with me as always is... How you doing, Scott? Trevor Ranges here, also recording NKL this weekend. Yeah, together all these episodes. Fantastic. Yeah, it's kind of fun to sit down together because, uh, you know, we can really look at some maps and, and get more in depth and talk about this stuff because there are so many really cool, interesting, different beaches and islands to explore in the region. Um, but we wanted to talk about some uh, that you may not have heard of before. Yeah. And before we get uh, too far along with this, we've got a couple sponsors today, right? Yeah. One of our sponsors, once again, is one of our favorites. It's Beervana. Beervana mm. is a craft beer importer and distributor who bring tasty American and other international specialty beers and spirits from across the world to Bangkok, Thailand, Konken, Chiang Mai. Um, Beervana also has a Beer Me app for your smartphone that can give you information on beer-related events, help you find a nearby location to have a craft beer, or to get you hooked up with their craft beer club where they home deliver craft beer to you. I wish they could parachute one to our table right now. The other sponsor today are the good people at Grasshopper Adventures. Grasshopper started out offering bicycle day tours and night tours in Bangkok and they expanded to Cambodia. They do day trips there in Siem Reap, Phnom Penh, day trips in Mandalay and Bagan in Burma, but they also do trips all over the greater Asia area. So if you want high quality bike tours done in a fun style with comfortable lodgings and just great organization, reach out to the people at grasshopperadventures.com. So thanks to both of our sponsors. All right. Hey, Scott. So today let's get back to beaches. Um, now, these are some beaches and islands that we've discovered over the years that aren't as of yet overrun with tourists, um, but are very likely to get on the tourist radar within the next few years because they are so beautiful and they have so much to offer. Yeah, that is indeed true. And places change quickly. And we're lucky enough that we were chatting about beaches we like, and all of a sudden we had this list, I think, of about a half a dozen that were like, you know what, I think people that don't live in this region wouldn't know of them, and everyone seems to always want to be on a quest to go to that secret beach or go to that small beach or that different beach that nobody knows of. So we'll touch on why we like them and, and the pluses and minuses of each spot. So why don't you kick it off for us? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm 
I, I was just on Koh Samui, uh, which is a very popular island in Thailand, and, and I think that was my 16th trip there. And wow. so that's not going to be one of our secret places to go. But, but I would like to do an episode on Samui sometime just because uh, I felt like I rediscovered it again. And, and Samui still has a lot going on for it. But I'm on my way to Bali right now. And uh, I've spent a lot of time in Bali over the years. And it's also another place that, that's amazing. But we're going to talk about a couple of islands just off the coast of Bali called Nusa Lombongan and Nusa Chenangan. Um, which I really like to hang out at, but a lot of people don't know about. Um, Nusa Lombongan uh, is part of three islands, Lombongan, Chenangan, and Nusa Penida, that are just off of the east coast of Bali. Okay. Um, it's not real far. It's only about a 25-minute speedboat from Bali to these islands. It right. only costs about $10 one way to get over there. So it's not like this. it's a big mission to get there, yeah. but, but you really do get to avoid the crowds quite a bit. Um, they're not totally undeveloped, so when you get off the boat in uh, Jungut Batu Beach Town, uh, there's ATMs there, there's money exchange there, mm -hmm. you can rent a motorbike for about $6 a day, a bicycle for $3 a day, and the island is only about 8 square kilometers, so okay. um, it's pretty easy to get around on your own. Yeah, just before you go too much further, most people would go around the world just to go to Bali. Why would you want to push that extra wee bit to get over there? Well, you know, a lot of people who do go to Bali will go to like that Kuta Beach, Legian Beach area, which which is very touristy and the water quality isn't necessarily the best. Um, Bali does have some great surfing. Uh, their, their beaches themselves aren't necessarily spectacular right. uh, coming from Hawaii and, and doing a lot of writing on different beaches and islands. So I like Lombongan just because it is kind of small. There's, there's not a lot of surf breaks, but uh, shipwrecks and another break called lacerations are really good breaks <laughs> for, yeah, for those are good for advanced surfers while playgrounds is better for beginners. And you can get a surfboard there. They got some good boards there for rent for only about $5 a day. Okay. So even if you're not on like a serious surf vacation, but you want to do some good surfing, yeah. um, it, it's not really all that crowded over there. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, but then there's also a bunch of other cool little attractions uh, on neighboring Nusa Chenangan. You have to take a, you drive your motorbike over a, a, a suspension bridge that's only narrow enough for, for one motorbike to, to go at a time. You can't even pass by each other. Okay. And over there, there's a 13 meter cliff jump that you could jump off of. Wow. Um, there's a little surf break that's a point break. And even that one, you have to jump off like a little cliff to get into the water. But, but it's very, uh, it's very intermediate level. It's really chilled out there. The rooms, you're going to find 15 to $20 if you want them. But if you want to splurge a bit back on Lombongan, uh, Dream Beach is just beautiful. And they have a little boutique hotel right there that would be a great little romantic getaway. Decent snorkeling. Uh, neighboring Nusa Panita has giant manta rays. So if you wanted to, you can snorkel with manta rays. I touched two last time. They wow. they swam right over me and I put my hands up and yeah. they just swam right by. So it's it's not as busy as Bali. It's it's way easier to get around on your own without hectic traffic. And, and there's a whole bunch of neat attractions that I, I don't even want to touch on here now because we don't have enough time. But right. Nusa Lombongan is a, is a great alternative to Bali. And I, I prefer it to the Gili Islands. And the Gili's are incredibly popular. Um, right. But I don't think they have as much going on as Lombongan does. Cool. Just one quick one to wrap that up. If someone lands in Denpasar, how long would it take you theoretically to get from the airport and get to the pier and on a boat and actually get over there? Well, there's a, a bus boat 
kind of transportation company called Parama Tours. Okay. Yeah. And Parama Tours, right online, you can see their schedule and you can book a, a boat, bus ticket from Kuta Beach or Legion Beach or Center Beach. So, so you might want to actually, unless you fly in in the morning, you might want to spend a night uh, on Bali. Um, but I think you could line it all up with Parama's website and do it all if you arrive in the morning. Yeah, maybe from you've landed to the island, yeah, maybe three hours. Okay, so it's not a, not a massive commitment. No. Okay, I'm going to take us uh, to a completely different country. We're going to head over to Sri Lanka. Uh, my wife and I were lucky enough to go there over Christmas holidays in 2013. I knew a number of people that operated tours there but was having a bit of trouble picking a beach. Um, the east coast and west coast and the southern part that has most of the great beaches, it differs between season. And when we were going, we wanted to, of course, have good beach weather, but also wanted to try surfing. And a good friend of mine recommended two beaches, and that was Marissa. And just five kilometers west of Marissa is Weligama. So these two beach areas... Um, are, are reasonably well established, but still really in their infancy as far as kind of the international beach scene goes. Now, we stayed in the little town of Marissa, which itself has quite a nice beach, nice soft sand, and has a reasonable number of hotels along it, but there's none of the big name brand hotels. So most of them don't have a swimming pool. So if you need a swimming pool, not the place to go, although one or two had a swimming pool. Uh, at night, all the little restaurants set up, you know, the typical seafood, grilled fish with French fries dinner along the beach. But the thing that makes that beach kind of unique for the southern coast is that places like Tangal or some other southern beaches get quite big breaks right on the beach and pretty bad undertows. And a number of my friends who operate tour companies said like, yeah, it's a beautiful beach, but you can't actually swim. You're kind of taking your life in your hands. So Marissa was nice in that the breaks weren't that big, you could still play in the waves a bit and, and have some fun in the water without really having to worry about getting crushed by a wave. Yeah, I was kind of jealous that you were going to do that trip because ever since uh, you know peace has kind of settled on Sri Lanka, I had heard that they've had some good surf over there and I wanted to check it out. It's good to hear that it, it is a good place to, to learn for beginners, but I'd like to still go and try and see if they got some... Uh, some more advanced breaks. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely advanced breaks around the area we saw, but the reason we were attracted is Weligama Beach, which we just grabbed a rental motorbike or a little tuk-tuk 5K down. And Weligama itself is just a sleepy little beach, not a lot of hotels on it. But what makes it perfect for beginners is that it's all sand bottom. So as if for people that don't surf, what makes the waves break most of the time is a coral reef under. And if you're trying to learn, you don't want to get carved up on that razor. So kind of similar to Waikiki when I was in Hawaii is that you can actually walk on the bottom of the ocean holding your board, kind of wait for your small wave or even just enough white water to push you and just hop up on the board paddle just a wee bit and get up on your board. So it was a really non-intimidating place to be out every day. And we spent four full days trying to learn to surf. And, you know, aside from the regular little bruises and bangs against your board, the sandy bottom made it real nice to jump out and give it a shot. How about, how about cost there? What was, was it still inexpensive because it's not developed yet a lot? Well, maybe compared to places like Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, your money does not go as far on hotels. Hotels tend to be a little bit more expensive. But you can get a casual, clean, comfortable place for 50 bucks, even a family guest house for 25 or a nicer hotel for just over $100 US a night. 
Yeah. And then the, the surfing class, like it was reasonably priced. Yeah, it was it was super reasonable price. We met a nice guy named Raju that I found online and he was renting boards for I think ten dollars a day. And we did a beginner's class with him where he spent about two and a half hours with us, some of it on the sand to start, and I think we might have paid like twenty five dollars. It wasn't very much. And to his credit, after a couple of days I said, like, okay, how about another lesson? And he said, You know what? He goes, You just need to spend more time out there and he goes I don't think you'll get to another lesson within four days. But, you know, if I'm looking at you and I think you could use a bit more, then then sure. And I was impressed. You know, he, he talked himself out of money. And, and sure enough, I think we just needed to do battle with the waves. Yeah, that's great. It's good to know that there's a couple of different places you can surf in the region because, uh, you know, Bali is obviously epic, one of the best surf spots in the world. And in Sri Lanka, it's good to hear you can also surf there as well because some of the other islands we're going to be talking about uh, aren't really so surf-friendly. Yeah, and maybe for the next one, we can slide over to a country we've already done a podcast about in an area uh, we both love, and that's Koh uh, Rong, the place that you introduced me to. Yeah, you know, Koh Rong is uh, one of the larger islands that, that Cambodia owns off the coast of Sihanoukville. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I first went there, gosh, I don't know how many years ago, it, it was, you know, barely touched. There was only maybe four or five guest houses on the whole island there. Right. And they just have these spectacular kilometers long powder white sand beaches that that you would never imagine they have there in Cambodia but but it's spectacularly beautiful yeah and you'd, you'd switch me on to it I have never actually spent a night on Korong but I did set foot on it and I was lucky enough a couple years ago uh, when I was the co-owner of a travel company to go to a private little island called Sonsa that sort of bills itself as six-star private little villa resort, which is spectacular, but it's maybe a kilometer from Koh Rong and it was a calm day. I grabbed a kayak and I'm like, well, I've gotten this close. So I paddled over to Koh Rong and there's probably a kilometer long stretch of beach on the east coast. And I just in my bare feet, I ran down to the end and back. And then I did it again. So I did four lengths of the beach, probably 4K. And there was only two little locals' huts right there. And the people were sitting on the front steps of their hut and kind of smiled and waved at me. And I, I was thinking about somewhere like Kosamui, like where 25 years ago probably, it was very similar. There was probably very little on it. And I thought to myself, man, in 10 more years, this is going to be just totally different. Yeah, really. wrong, I think, could eventually become Koh Samui in like 20, 25 years, let's say now, because Cambodia is not developing that quickly, but at the same time, development occurs fast. And, and now I've heard there's just dozens of guest houses on the island. Um, but getting back to Song Sa, Song Sa is technically not one island, right? What does the Song Sa, the name means? I think it means the Lover's Islands yeah, or like something. Sweetheart Islands. Sweetheart yeah. Islands, right? And they're connected by just a tiny little kind of like a footbridge that goes across. And yeah, so it's like the two islands are these two lovers. And uh, right. one of the islands, I believe, is residences, yeah? And cool. the other right. island is, is the, the hotel. Yeah, and they keep the one island actually is all trees and they say they're conserving it. But while I was there, I couldn't help thinking, man, if business goes really good... There's got to be serious temptation and plans to develop this second little island for, yeah. for it, villas too. But yeah, again, the, the the sand itself is beautiful. The water is quite crystal clear, but there's not a lot of fish uh, because of overfishing. So there's not really yeah. any good snorkeling or, or scuba diving right around the island. Um, but there are dive operators there. They were some of the first ones to set up because some of the islands even farther out you can do live aboard dive adventures from. And, and I heard the diving there is pretty neat because they have a lot of uh, seahorses and nudie 
you know, like the macro life. Right, right. So for people that don't know where this one is, uh, it's in the southwest of Cambodia, still in the Gulf of Thailand. And and got wrong, not that we're advocating for development, but it, it's big enough to have an airstrip someday and a proper airport. And really, when when larger numbers of tourists start coming to Cambodia, that's an area that's just ripe to have flights coming right into it and to become kind of the beach destination in Cambodia, I think. Yeah, and, and that's interesting just because Cambodia doesn't have a lot of options to start no, with. sure doesn't. Whereas over here in Thailand, um, when I was updating the 4th edition National Geographic Thailand guidebook, I decided that we should start to expand a little bit on the normal beaches of Phuket and Samui mm-hmm. and, and some of the, the more popular ones. Um, Ten years ago, I... I, I myself personally discovered uh, the beaches of Panga and uh, Kaulak, the area right. that was completely destroyed by the tsunami. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year is going to be the 10-year anniversary of the tsunami, so I figured right. I would go back there and check out that area. And, and that area is really developing and booming a lot, too. So I continued driving north with my rental car up to Ranong province. And Ranong had some spectacular islands that, that I, I brought my parents to because they were so beautiful. Yeah. Um, actually, you got me really excited about this one. Um, this town of Ranong is the main city you would fly into, say, from Bangkok. It's about midway between Bangkok and Phuket. And last year, I'd say in the span of about two months, I had you and two other people both mention Kot Payam, which I'd never heard of. And you've got a collection of like three islands that you say are just like the bomb. And one more thing to add here is in the show notes, we're going to have little links to all the places we've talked about on, on Google Maps. So if you go to the show notes on the website, you'll be able to click and see where we're talking about. So tell us about these three magical little islands that few people seem to go to. Yeah, if we start with Kot Payam, um, that island, again, is also you know a little bit smaller than Kot Samui, but it's getting that same buzz that like it's only going to be this magical for so long don't talk about it you're going to ruin it you know like yeah. i could see this place becoming something more like samui in the future the only problem with that ranong province is is the rainiest province in thailand the rainiest really yeah so huh. during the monsoon season uh, a lot of the the resorts on kopayam shut down for for the season they shut down for months yeah when is the rainy season on that coast i think it kind of kicks in quite early like may or something yeah around the, yeah may for sure and then up through like, like august or september or october, october i don't know it's, yeah, it's almost half the year that the, yeah, the island sure. can't even take on visitors and like that area compared to say Phuket or Koh Samui, like when it's rainy season, it shuts down, right? Yeah, I think. And I also think just because they don't get enough tourists to stay open through the rainy season. So right. it's not worth it for them. But Payam is still cool because there, there still are no cars on the island. Huh. Um, they have... They have roads that are, you know, maybe one car width wide, but yeah. it's just motorbikes. And you can zip from one beach to the next beach on, on motorbikes, and, uh, and it's just really chilled out. It's a place just to go and relax and enjoy some beautiful beaches and, and, and not do a whole lot. Um, the other two islands I wanted to mention briefly, one of them is called Kot Ra, mm-hmm. and Kot Ra only has one place to stay, the Kot Ra Eco Lodge. Okay. And, and I actually... I had the pleasure of going there two times this year wow. because the first time I went, I thought it was just really special. And they have this uh, jungle hike that you can do over the top to the other side of the island to this beach where they, they come and pick you up with beers to watch the sunset. And, uh-huh. and I was like, well, I got to come back to do the hike uh, to the sunset Sounds beach. Sounds perfect. 
And then just south of Khao Ra is an island called Khao Pratong. Uh, Khao Pratong is uh, the island of the Golden Buddha. And there's a legend that some pirates hundreds of years ago buried uh. some buried some pirate booty in the in the sand there in the form of a, a golden buddha yeah and uh, there's a, a resort there called the the golden buddha beach club that's uh, very similar to the riley beach club in that it's private residences like private all wooden all natural beach houses that you can rent from the owners and the, and the beach hmm. club has a, a restaurant there and and that's a bit more like five-star Robinson Crusoe. It's, right, it's not right, right. cheap, but the beach, I think, is like seven or ten kilometers long, and they're the only resort on it, and it's just wow. this spectacular golden beach. But just uh, around the bay on the beach north of it, you can get rooms there for like 10 or 15 bucks, and I even asked, and they said I could camp there. So I would even go back to, to camp on the beach near the Golden Buddha Beach Club and then just right. hang out at the restaurant and, and bar in the evenings. Right. So just so people can kind of figure out and have an idea in their head, how would you actually get to these three islands? You would fly from Bangkok to the city of Ranong, is that yeah. right? Yeah, Nok Air and uh, I think it's not just Nok, maybe Thai Air Asia, but there's regular, there's multiple daily flights into Ranong now. So okay. just flying into Ranong is a bit is a bit easy. Right. Now getting to call. Payam, because it's a bit more popular, there are regular ferry services, but getting to Khao Ra or Khao Pratong, you need to arrange your own private long tail boat through right. one of the resorts, um, which can make it a little bit pricier, um, which makes it a bit of a mission. It's going to take a full day almost to get out to one of those islands. So by the time you get to the Bangkok airport, you make your, what, like 45-minute flight or something? Yeah, fly out in the morning. You're not going to get there till early, mid-afternoon. And it's, how, how far to like the pier the ferry um again you gotta you gotta get a song tau to the to the pier which isn't there's a couple of different piers in renong so making sure you get to the right one they're near each other and everything but but again it depends on which island and, and which boat and whether or not you need a private boat or not and uh, i would just say don't plan on going just for two days Right. Because if you're going to spend two days in transit, you might as well try and go for four or five. But if you're someone who likes like off the beaten path, just gorgeous beauty, all natural, lots of wildlife, yeah. relaxing time uh, with some creature comforts, you know, because uh, it's still Thailand, right? Which mm -hmm. isn't too rugged. These are the, the islands of Renong are spectacular. Fantastic. Well, we'll stay in Thailand uh, for my next pick, actually. And it's a place that's getting busier every year imagine that and that is uh called Tubkak beach and it is in gabi province gabi province is in the far southwest of thailand below phuket uh, places that listeners might know in that area are riley bay which is famous for rock climbing and got pp which is about 30 odd kilometers off the coast and it is famous for its limestone cliffs but basically if you land at gabi airport and then you head, oh, about 40 minutes from the airport, you'll end up in this secluded area called Tobkak Beach. And people might also know Aonang, Gabi. And Aonang has become sort of over the last decade quite a, a well-developed tourist center. For but, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's getting busier. There's more restaurants. And it's still not overwhelming, but busy. And, geez, over a decade ago now, a friend of mine told me, hey, go to my secret beach on Tubkak. And we rented little Honda scooters and drove, you know, 30 minutes north. And you pass um, a little town and there's even an Irish pub up that way and a few little cafes and Thai food places. But there's some really, really beautiful stretches of beach. One resort is called uh, Tubkak Resort. Uh, the Ritz-Carlton has the Pule Bay up that way. There's certainly more resorts, but... 
the beaches are still open to the public. So you can still kind of park and, and wander through the edge of a property down to the beach. And when you look out from the beach in the distance, you'll see all these limestone islands, which are the uh, Hong group of islands. So it's not that far from Nang, or you could just stay out there. But it's a really lovely, lovely, beautiful place. Yeah, that's why I, I think it really fits on this episode of somewhat secret beaches because everyone's heard of Krabi, you know, lots of people mm-hmm. go to Riley Beach, lots of people go to PP Islands, but but hidden away just to the north uh, yeah. is, is it's so close, it's it's somewhat secret, you know. And that Fule Bay Ritz Carlton is just spectacular. I'm still trying to put together a good excuse to go and visit them, but <laughs> but but if they were wise enough to put one of their resorts there, you know, it's going to be something special. Yeah, and the thing that's neat about that too is if you don't stay there overnight, Again, it's easy enough that for a day, like, grab a little scooter, hop on it, and just the drive-up's lovely. You go through land between limestone Yeah, driving around Cubby's great, and, and it's not really yeah. super traffic-y because no. everybody's kind of congested in the yeah. Aonong area. Yeah, and you see some nice village life, so you can be out there in 30 minutes, have a nice day out there, and drive back. And conversely, if you stay up there and you want a little more action, you could just hire a car to drive you in for the night and hit some restaurants and have some drinks and then, and then come back to Tokak Beach too, provided someone is driving that didn't have some drinks. Sure, of course we we don't uh, condone drinking and driving. So Trevor, why don't you take us to our last place? And this is a place from I'd say, man, my f- second month in Thailand in '99. I heard about, I vowed to get to, and I never ever made it there. Well, yeah, you know, because we're we're coming back to the Gulf Coast of Thailand, uh, just north of Gulf Samui. Um, called Tao used to be my hands down favorite undiscovered or somewhat secret beach, but the the secret is out on Kok Tao, you know, yeah, yeah. and and Samui is is very heavily developed now, um, yeah. and and I still like Samui, but Kok Pangan, which is in the middle of those three islands, um, and it's about the same size as Samui, still hasn't quite overdeveloped, despite the fact that this is the location of the world famous full moon party, right, 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 um, and and Hatrin Beach. But, but that's on the southeast corner where they have this big, crazy full moon party. If you go all the way up to the north shore of the island, um, there's a beach called Hat Kwat, which means Bottle Beach. Mm. And Bottle Beach is a small little beach, and it's a little tiny slice of heaven. Um, right. Unlike Samui, the roads on Kopangan aren't, aren't great yet. So They're like dirt still. Yeah, time, right? so getting over to Bottle Beach... Uh, you still pretty much would want to be driving a four-wheel drive car. Is there a road? I know when I heard about it, you had to take a boat, apparently, over to it. Well, lots of people do go there on day trips okay. with a boat. So if you do stay there, that is one of the downsides, is that okay. like there's a hundred long-tail boats with day trippers that, that come and visit there. But you can get out there in a four-wheel drive truck uh, from, you know, get off the airport, tell them you're going to Bottle Beach. Mm-hmm. Probably better to arrange that with one of the hotels beforehand. But these hotels aren't five-star world-class, they still have the old-school Thai-style, on-the-beach, simple bungalows. Uh, yeah, squat over the hole in the ground. No, it's not that rustic. But they have <laughs> they have four, Bottle Beach, one, two, three, and four, the different guest houses. And, right. and, and the one all the way to the east side of the bay is the most rustic. And the one to the farthest west side, which has some bungalows up on the hillside, have a bit more creature comfort. So what, what we like to do is we rent one of the ones on the hillside with the creature comforts for, for sleeping in at night and it has yeah. a nice little view of the bay. And then we rent one of the really simple $10 huts down <laughs> at the other end of the beach where we hang our hammocks and fill it up with our rafts and our water balloon catapults and frisbees and everything for, for hanging out at during the day. 
Huh, that's pretty cool. Well, one of these days I will finally make it there. And you said airport. They Are they already flying in there or are they finishing an airport there? No, I don't know how far along the airport is just yet, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that's a great I read about airlines that are like talking about it or just about to fly there, but just coming soon. Just waiting to jump all over yeah, that place. Yeah, will make that trip a lot quicker, right? Yeah, and then again, like whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, maybe it's a good thing for Samui because that'll slow the development there. Um, yeah. But Kopangan still has a lot of little beaches that, that you do need to, to take a boat to get to, so they are worth exploring, and, and there's still some not quite so off the beaten path, but still quite somewhat secret beaches uh, nearby. Yeah, you know, and, and to take us kind of out of this episode, a, a few things I always think about, and it kind of just goes back to my days running a travel company, is telling people to really be honest about what it is they want out of a beach. Because I know I tend to be the kind of guy that I want to maybe jog or I want to paddle or maybe go for a hike. But then there's other times, too, where I just want to sit for four days and, and read a book and sit on the sand. So if that's my objective, then it doesn't really matter what beach I go to. So always try and think about, be real realistic what it is you want out of your beach time. Do you want to be as quiet and alone as possible? And are you not going to go crazy from having to eat at the same little restaurant every night? Or do you want to be able to, you know, go 10 minutes and, and hit the clubs? Or do you need to be scuba diving? So be real honest about yourself because I know people that would say, yeah, I want to be totally secluded. And then two days later, the phone would ring in our office and they're like, yeah, it's kind of quiet. Like we kind of hoped we could go out at night and you're, I mean, well, sometimes yeah, but, it's tough to combine it. But that's the honesty that's sometimes hard to fulfill because people always ask me that. They're like, what's a beautiful place that's <laughs> not real busy, but it has nightlife sure, and yeah. I can go to the movies or I what's, don't know. What's what, the trifecta know? of beaches? Yeah, right? yeah. Go to Hawaii. Yeah, that is a good choice. <laughs> um, the other thing about it is, is as a traveler is you want to be able to, go back home and talk to your friends about a place in common. Now, this might sound silly, but I definitely know a lot of our clients would say, yeah, you know, I actually our neighbor kept telling me this place was great. And when we'd consult with them on designing a trip, it became obvious that actually one of the things they want to have is the ability to chit-chat with their friends about both having been in the same place. So be honest with yourself about that because if you went to the quiet place that no one knows, your stories are going to be really short the commonality stories when you get home. Not that that's reason not to go, but just be aware of that too. Yeah. On the flip side, because my parents visit pretty often, yeah. they always want to go to the place that nobody's ever heard of before, you know? So so that works out pretty well for me because uh, I can take a second trip back to a place that, right. that I've discovered that I really like, uh, like Kot Pratong and Kot Ra, um, which my parents thought were great. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, different people have different travel styles. And uh, sometimes it's tricky to get the right information about what, what exactly the beaches are like. Um, yeah, and, and keep in mind when you're researching or even when you're heading somewhere to try and keep a realistic picture and, and expectations in your head. Because the fact that we're talking about a lot of places that aren't that developed now, a lot can change in a year. And how your friends described what's maybe quiet and beautiful to them might not be quiet and beautiful to you. And, and yeah, it just changes. So just don't be disappointed when you go and it might be just not what you had in mind. Yeah, that almost brings us back to one of our early episodes about planning vacations and, uh, yeah. you know, just maybe leaving some flexibility. You know, people are like, oh, I want to go to PP Island because it's so beautiful. And then you get there and, and it's really crowded and you're like, oh, this isn't what I was yeah. looking for. If you're not locked into a hotel for the whole trip, then maybe you can be like, all right, let's get on a boat and go over to Krabi mainland and check out this uh, Tupac Beach. 
Well, it's uh, been great talking about this. We suddenly just cruised through a half hour, and now I want to go to the beach. And lucky enough, I'm actually going to the Perhentian Islands in the northeast of Malaysia on Thursday for a few nights, and I'm pretty pumped. You told me that's a real nice spot. Yeah, I went there back in 1996, So, and I camped on the beaches there. And it, there was still a little bit of a scene, and, and the diving was spectacular, but but it wasn't quite developed at all so i'm curious to see 18 years later uh your photos and see how much it may have changed future episodes so thank you very much for joining us on this episode of uh talk travel asia asia's somewhat secret beaches from kuala lumpur this is scott saying thanks so much for joining us and from kuala lumpur on my way out to bali tomorrow uh thanks for having me here scott all right take care we will catch you in two weeks Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Hortan and Cam-